Okay, it's great to see you this morning. We're on a new series. It's called Radical Jesus. When we mention that word radical, you can get this sense of maybe radicalists that we've seen that go about doing bad things or with clubs and sticks. But the sense of the term radical Jesus, it's that Jesus is so unlike humanity. He, br- he, he came to bring something so spiritual, so unique, but yet so different. So the next few weeks, we will be looking at his radical love, his radical generosity, his radical forgiveness, because if Jesus is so set apart, so holy, and so at conflict with the ways of the world, when we speak about the ways of the world, we're now about the people of the world that Jesus died for, we're about the ways of the world that can mean materialism, greed, um, idolatry, idolatry, are these things that can exist. And then Jesus came to bring something so holy, something so special, something so pure, something so pleasing before a holy God. And guess what? If that's what Jesus is like, then how does he expect us as his people to be like? Radical like him. So Jesus came as an example through the Holy Spirit. He empowers his people to be different in this world in the eyes and the ways of God. So this has got to be a bit like Christmas because when I was thinking of radical, I thought the first place I wanted to start was his birth, a radical birth. It's not a birth like anybody else. Have you ever heard of somebody getting born or a virgin? Have you ever heard about people traveling thousands of miles just to see a baby following a star? Have you ever heard of anybody else getting born? I can you're really special here. And some of you, so you had your grandparents and you had your, at the, at the moment and you came out and there was a waiting room and people was there. Was our shepherds, was our wise men, and it says that there were multitudes and multitudes of angels singing at the point of Jesus' birth, because this was the Messiah, this was Savior, this was God's solution for humanity. He never sent an angel. He never sent a plan. He came as himself through Jesus as a little baby. It's an amazing story. What a radical birth. What a way to show up. So I thought, how can I just skip out that and go to Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, speak about his doctrines and teachings. I've got to start. So Christmas has come early. It's like walking into home bargains this morning. Apart from the decorations, I mean, I was in home bargains. They literally came for their day in and, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. It's still Halloween stuff up, and then next day Christmas stuff up. I thought, well, fair way we're past that. We're not past that. It's just too early, too late. Anyway, so this morning, radical birth, and I believe that Gib was sharing is true. You are meant to be here, and this is for you. We've got to take a look at Luke chapter 1.
Luke chapter 1, I'll read for verse 26. Slightly different, I'm going to say a few things, then I'm going to pray, then I'm going to say a few things, I'm going to pray, then I'm going to say a few things in closing prayer. Okay, so if I say a few things in my first prayer, then I get all excited thinking that's a beauty. That's an early meeting for us today. There's still another few things to do, okay? But you, you're meant to be here. Luke chapter 1, reading from verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. The first thing I want to say that God chose a radical place for the birthing of His Savior. The promise of the Messiah was always going to be born in for Bethlehem. That's the nativity scene in Bethlehem. But God didn't start the story in Bethlehem. It wasn't the city of David, it was Jerusalem, but it was the birthplace his history, David's history, was in Bethlehem. Now, if I was God and I had promised that a ruler was to come through Bethlehem, and I was in heaven, and I'd be thinking, right, I have promised people through the lineage of David, somebody will come for Bethlehem to be a ruler. Far would you be looking to choose a woman? to fulfill the plan, Bethlehem. I would have been saying to the angels, okay, angels, it's time to fulfill the promise. Jesus is going to come doing his flesh. It's time for the Savior to come. I've already told the people, it's got to come for Bethlehem. Let's get a list of the women for Bethlehem. Look specifically for a virgin named that's been intimate with another man before. My plans are waiting to be fulfilled. I would then look at the list of the woman at Bethlehem. And I went, oh, let's go for, she attends a synagogue, quite a godly heritage. It's going to be for Bethlehem. That's a promise. I would have picked Betty for Bethlehem. The, your nativity scene would have been a lot different. We Betty for Bethlehem. But God never picked Bethlehem. He said, there's a woman, go to Nazareth. And God caused himself a problem because not only did he pick somebody for Nazareth, but the promise was to be fulfilled through Bethlehem. So God had a problem. How do I pick this woman? You want to see how radical God is? He's unlimited and unmatched and infinite in power and wisdom and majesty. I found my, my woman. She's in Nazareth. Jesus of Nazarene. Jesus for Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. But to get out of Bethlehem, a census was made at that time that hadn't been done in years which meant Mary had to uproot her things and go to the place of our ancestors, which meant the Messiah, the Savior, came to a place 
in Bethlehem. I want to tell you about Nazareth. There was nothing special or nothing unique about Nazareth. They say there was a population, no more than a thousand, a couple of hundred people, no great lineage. It was just a small little village. And this radical almighty God, the People would have thought if it's going to be anybody through the natural eyes, it might have probably came for the city of David, Jerusalem. That was the, the hub of religiosity. That was the place of the temple. Surely the Messiah would come for Jerusalem. And you would have thought even the Bible students were looking at Bethlehem. But here God sent an angel and says, go to Nazareth. For I have found a woman. Go to Nazareth. The first point is this, this radical God, this majestic one that's set apart, that's in love with His creation. Doesn't it always just go to the cities and the place we think He should move at? He can go to the most weakest-looking places on the face of the planet and move. You're meant to be here. I look at the broch and think, God, would you move? No, it's maybe near the Nazareth, but it's maybe the Bethlehem. But far about the other little pockets that we see, I came to churches and other places. We're near the center of the universe. Fabric Cremond. Cremond is a Polish name. Cremond is a, if you're, if you're Doric. Fabric Cremond. Rosarte. The small places. Bulgar. St. Combs. We are surrounded by habitations, little pockets of people, a history of fishermen, fisherwomen, farmers. I pray, God, would you move this radical, awesome, awe-inspiring creator of the universe and his eyes on a little place called Nazareth, and he thought, that will do. Angels, Gabriel, the chief, Go there. This is the first pause. There's a psalm that says a verse and goes, Selah. And Selah means pause. It's like, read it, take a pause. Read it, take a pause. Read it, take a pause. Usually, I just hit you with truth, and there's a pause at the end. I want us just to sit with our eyes closed and pray for our town, and pray for our villages, that God, you would send heavenly hosts, that we would be like a Nazarite people, that God would birth something here. God would birth something now, that God would raise up people that's interested in planting churches and places that didn't hear a gospel representation. The harvest is plenty, the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that He will raise up workers. There's maybe somebody in here, you're meant to be here, that God will just meet 
You'll get hunger for people. And you'll want to suddenly go around about your hymn tune that might not be the brock and start praying. Get your feet, get your boots on the ground and start praying and taking authority and pleasure in praying for your people. Get a waff of your comfortable space in your house, being a Christian that attends church on a Sunday, and let's take responsibility as the army of the living God, as a praying people. God is radical. He's on the move. He wants to save people. And he's people to partner with his plans and purposes to be empowered by him. Radical birth that he showed through Jesus. Say to David, to one side, you'll go our letter. Bethlehem, you'll get her eventually. But her, she's in Nazareth. The angel Gabriel showed up to Nazareth, a little village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Let's take a pause. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Jesus, we stand in the gap as intercessors at this moment. There's many people here gathered. There's many people in other churches gathered. You have many that know you, for you always have a remnant. But so much people are dying and going to lost eternity without hearing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray and we declare that you are Lord of the harvest. And we know that time is short and we are living in the end times. And we pray that you'd raise up workers, you'd raise up your people, that would be on mission, that would recognize in church planting and provision would come quickly in Jesus' name. We declare that the end of the story for the churches and the villages of the Northeast, that a brilliance of your glory will not be confined to the pages of ancient history. God, would you send your angels to the villages to meet people? Would you send the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit to the pockets of people that have to travel some way to maybe hear the gospel? We pray you would make it easy and you would send workers, you would send angels, you would send the power of the Holy Spirit once again to these people, to the little Nazarite villages, only a few hundred people, that they would suddenly, the heavens would open as we come into the season of darkness in the natural. We pray that they would look up and they would see angelic forces singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, that suddenly they would feel the need to turn to Jesus in repentance. Show them their need that without you, they're eternally lost, but within you, they're eternally Found. We pray that the gospel of good news would be preached in the backdrop of all that you do and all the mess of the world, that God, you would shine forth and we declare our the future of the churches in the northeast in Scotland, that you would take us in to greater things, greater things, greater things. May our young people get saved. 
Mayor, all people getting saved. Think of the people in care homes. God, that you would save him, you would save him, you would save him. And God, the church would be a united front against all the attacks of the enemy. We long for a day that two fellowships for different historical tribes, Elam, AOG, Baptists, or the whosoever, the two fellowships for different tribes would join together to plant churches. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. God bless you for your clap. Again, that's near the end of the service, okay? Hopefully you're near clapping because you're like, yeah, he's finished. But that starts at 12. Okay. Radical place. Radical person that he picked. He came a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, you have found favor. The Lord is with you. Amazing, our hell calendar is based on this event. B.C., before Christ. A.D., Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. So if an even atheist says it's 2023, are you sure about that? You realize what you're saying? It's in the year of our Lord. Hallelujah. 2023, the hell or calendar shifts on this moment. This is Mary. She had her plans. She was engaged. She thought, yeah, I'm going to plan in a marriage here. We're going to get married. Married, we'll get marriage presents, we'll use some, we'll stick some in the loft and take him from the move house and we'll still be there and we'll probably still be there from the day. And we're going to get a semi-detached house, a detached house, or a, just in a building and a flat and she had our plans of how her marriage was going to go and it was just, she was just progressing in it. it uh, God messed up our plans. Hallelujah. You're meant to be here. And God met Mary in a spectacular, supernatural way. She hid her plans. God rocked her plans. And then what she said was as she was confused and disturbed Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. He'll be very great. Be called the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestors, David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Imagine an angel showing up to you and saying to you, you've got your plans. You came for your God in life. You've made the man of your dreams. He's a carpenter. And you think, okay, he's an apprentice. Hopefully, he'll maybe own his own business. We'll maybe do an extension. And God shows up and says, you've got to give birth to a son. This is his destiny. And verse 34, I think, would be our responses. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? Are these promises that you are saying to me, they sound amazing? The Holy Spirit is going to come. I'm going to give birth. Now here in dialogue with an angel, if that was not enough. But how can this happen? And maybe you're sitting here this morning, and if I was to say to you, God wants to use you. 
He loves you with an everlasting love. He sees your history. He sees your upbringing. He sees your educated or uneducated, whatever category you would identify yourself in. He sees your employment, your unemployment, your misery. He sees the magnitude of the destiny He's put within you. Yet, if I was to say to you, God's chosen you, and wants to use you to win people for Jesus, well, how can this be? How can this be? Because I'm me, and I can me, and Mary can't her. One of the most amazing attributes why I think that wasn't just a random selection was how Mary was picked was this. Her response in verse 46, Oh, my soul rejoices in the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant, Garol. You got to sidestep the main point and say this. He, he took notice of the lowly servant girl. Didn't it un, ever undervalue or devalue for it is to serve Jesus in your capacity? We live in a busy world, didn't we? Abdi's busy. He's busy these days. COVID probably didn't help, good team. Abdi Afa wrote us, Abdi Afa serving, and fit what we was used to in church. There's something so beautiful. When God says to her, you've found favor, how did she find favor? Because some people say, well, I've got other favor I need in Jesus. You've got other favor you need for salvation in Jesus. I want to tell you, yes, as you serve God in your capacity, you can also find favor with God to a greater degree than if you decided, I'm too busy to help anybody. I'm saved I ain't nothing. Yes, you might still be on your way to heaven because you're saved by grace and grace alone. But as you serve Jesus in a capacity, God takes notice of your lowly heart, of your humble attitude. He sees you turning up. He sees that, that sometimes you've got to put your busyness to one side and help other people and do stuff on rotas. This is nay a plea. Please join a rota team. Serving is one of the most beautiful things you can do for Jesus. And hallelujah, the church offers you multiple opportunities to fulfill that. I don't like doing stuff for the front. Well, that's good. I like doing menial tasks. That's good. We need people doing our thing. We've got a charity shop. You can go on. The church needs cleaned. You need people on the tea row. You need people welcoming. Oh, I'm drawn. I don't like doing that. I'm shy. You can't want the best people on the door. Shy people. Because a shy person will recognize that other person that's coming in they're shy as well. I can't know how it feels. I'm going to say hello to the shy person. Serve in a capacity. Might be out with church. Might be your own thing. I'm a granny collecting stamps. Was no Narota. The thing was just give all your stamps to her. She'll do it and send it to raise money. 
for missionaries. There's an incredible joy that I don't want you to miss in serving Jesus, serving Jesus as families, serving Jesus, husband, wife, take your kids along. Ooh, everybody's clapping. One of the greatest things I've done in my marriage, serve Jesus, we are wife. If you can, I can, some folk, that's not easy. Some folk come here, yourselves and your spouses is back at home. I'm the same, every individual, this is a holistic thing. But if you can, serve. Serve as a family. Oh, I've got kids, I can't go in the door. Take your kids. Serve with them. D kids club, D youth clubs. We've got Torsten Rotters, we've got kids, we've got youth. Freedom Center is due to open, God willing. A new bylaw's gone in. In the next few weeks, then it's carpets, and then we're teetering near the edge. And guess what opens up a hell new avenue of doors to? The servant. We want a food bunk. Great. That's going to do it. Serve together. Serve in your spare time. We live in a busy, busy world. I don't care how my great, great granny managed to cope or had time for anything. When we have washing machines and microwaves that can do a spare, uh, I was just sitting in my uh, washing machine. Isabel, I'm banned for doing the washing. Hallelujah. Tap for the men. Muck it up once. You'll never be asked to do it again. If your partner or your wife wants you to do something, just crank up to 90, push a button, whack a wah. Then it's you again. Back, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, I'll never touch the washing machine again. But I do like this scene. Rapid spin. Well, I think generally for me it just needs a rapid spin. Just show it Rapid old deal. I'll just come back in 30 minutes. Serving Jesus is absolutely amazing. I'm not trying to twist your arm and conjole you with condemnation. Oh, he's, he's looking for help. It's just a better idea. I want to promote serving Jesus is phenomenal. In fact, if I took out serving Jesus with Isabel or just in teams, out my life, you can if I am, I'm a loner. <laughs> really, it's maybe my fault. A lot of my stories are relationships and communication as we do stuff together. Highlights, coming to Bible study, praying together, serving together. We've got worship teams. We may be looking for more church plants. And this is Mary saying, I was a lowly servant girl. I was doing it. Then I found favor. And then she served Jesus just in another capacity. God didn't look for somebody that was doing nothing and said, right, let's pick them. In some capacity, her heart was to serve the Lord. She went to the synagogue. She probably pleaded with her future husband to come along, and God says, I am watching her mark the commitment and serving. Then I go to Bethlehem. Go to Nazareth. Go get her. Mary recognized, you've seen a lowly, Servant girl, if you want to be great in God's eyes, you must learn to serve others and your realm of busyness. 
How much of that proportion of your week or day can you safely say that is dedicated to other people? Because sometimes when you hear loads of things that uh, we always want date nights and time together, and sometimes what that means is we want time in front of the TV for its two people in relationship. One's on their phone, the other's on their phone, and something's on the screen, and one falls asleep first, and then it's bedtime. Try and find something within your week consistently that you would say, I love serving Jesus together. If you kind of think, oh, come and clean the church together. Be on the door together if you can. And so on and so forth. But you are meant to be here. God, this radical God, says, I am selecting you, Mary. And she says, I'm not ready for this. I'm not feeling it. How can this be? And the angel said us, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. God said, her response, how is this possible? God says, I've promised it. I'll make it possible. You sit here, we are your afterthoughts or okay, I'm seeing this, but I can myself better than anybody. How is this possible that God will use me? And God says, don't you worry about it. If I've promised it, I'll give you the power. I'll give you the strength. I'll give you the creativity. I'll give you the equipment because he equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped. You say, yes, I'll do it. And the same promise that Mary got is available to us. He says, don't you worry about it. There will be a power fail on high through the power of the Holy Spirit and God overshadowing you. If ever I have said, it will be done. Because it's not about you, it's about God. We've got to take a moment to pray. And I'll pray for each one of you that are here. Do not overthink it. Oh, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not the right season. For this, for his sin, I'm at a difficult season, I'm at the wrong season. God turned, this radical God turned up in the wrong season. She says, I'm not even married yet, and you're speaking about kids. What's going to happen here? How is this going to work? Yeah, you're chosen, don't worry about it. God's a wadi, a miracle. In nine months, you're wadi give birth. Let's bow our heads and pray, and then the final point. Jesus, I pray. For each one that's gathered here, I think about the young people. They might think they've got to progress in life and gain the qualifications and go to the Bible college. I pray that you would meet the young people and God, your promises over them are just as much as a yes and amen to your promises over the mature Christians. And we pray for an empowerment there on high. We come before you as servants. And the Most High God, would you release your plans and your promises in this place? The people would believe that they are chosen, that they are loved and the be beloved, that God, you didn't make mistakes. 
that you have found them even in an impossible scenario. Yet you are the God of the impossible. And you never ever look to make it easy on you. You look to glorify your name. And I pray for the whosoever that is gathered here that you would overshadow us. And God, serving you and serving other people will be an absolute delight. Even if it would be menial, it would be a delight. It would be a delight to serve. It wouldn't be a burden, it would be a delight. We do it, we sing with songs and hymns. We do it with choruses. There would be renewed sense of fellowship that new friendships would be developed in the place or service. For we ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Lastly, the radical sign, chapter 2, verse 12. So they went to Bethlehem, and angels showed up to the shepherds and told them, to go and see this baby. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. God got them, far they were supposed to be. You will find and you will recognize him by this sign. So the angel showed up to the shepherds and says, look, you got to go to this place, Bethlehem. This is the sign that the Messiah is here. If you was God and you was writing the Bible, if it would be the sign that he was the chosen one. Because I probably would have said, look, shepherds, go there, open the door, and you'll see Gabriel to the right and another archangel to the left. Or it would have been something physical. It would have been, look, I'm, I'm lacing this baby with gold. He's got a liar and he's got a gold. He's got a head He's got to be like a golden baby with golden skin. And that's a sign that you will know that this baby's radical, that this baby's different, that this baby's special in every way. This is the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. That's quite an unexpected sign for this king, this God of glory, that the sign that I'm giving you guys is that you will go and be a baby. He's got to be wrapped snugly, and he's got to be in a manger. When you go and see that, you will know there's something radical about this moment. It actually looks really normal, doesn't it? That a baby wrapped in snugly is quite a normal thing. We're getting a manger, probably not that normal, but nothing spectacular. And it's for Isabel was saying at the start, God's glory is best made manifest in normal people. This is the sign. You got to look at something that looks so weak. It says after that, the angels come out to play and nothing happened, but you got to look at something so weak, but it's got to be so special. And I guarantee there's people here this morning that think, I'm just human. You pinch me, I'll bleed. I get tired, I get weary, I get hungry. 
I'm full of frailties. I'm fragile. I'm just human. God's sign to the world is this, that he's a glorious, radical God, but he's power. He will contain in people that look like just ordinary people. If you take a picture, Kodak, free shot, or a Christian, the next uh, screenshot of somebody that's near Christian, could you tell the difference? You can tell the difference. Because God points to the church. In our history, good and bad, and other people that have gone before us, and other great testimonies, and there's a good testimonies, God's glory is wrapped up in a quite a simple, vulnerable people. The sign was a sign of vulnerability. If I was God, I would have put my son, I would have surrounded him immediately by heavenly hosts. There'd have been no animals allowed near him in a 20-mile radius. If it would have happened in the manger of some bull took a hissy fit and knocked that manger over. That would be the part that every kid would want to play in the nativity if it was the ball knocking out or the son of man, and that was that game over. He became the savior. He's now going some ball. I'm really sorry. And knocked him out. How much kids? Probably my kids. What I'll play the ball. I get to just boom. <laughs> I get to cause a bit chaos in the yearly nativities. How vulnerable a situation is that? No room in the inn and a manger. Animals out in the car. I mean, come on, God, that's no why I treat your one and only son sent to the world. But yet, the day God uses a vulnerable people, a people that are weak, a people that if you pinch us, we will bleed, a people get, can get hurt at offense, a people that are struggling financially in this cost-of-living crisis, the world would look on and see weakness, but God would be pleased to shine His glory and brilliance and allow it to look vulnerable, but really bring in salvation. We're just going to pray, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and take up our offerings. Then I lose your vulnerability. Then I, you, then I lose your. Oh, she wants to join. She heard the message of serving. Give that girl a microphone. That was an instant response. Something beautiful about vulnerability and realizing you. You just kind of go out together and you're human. And church is not a show or pride or arrogance or making idols who are people. This is about God's vulnerable people coming together for moments or presence filled, Jesus declaring hope. And God is pleased when His people come with the sign of vulnerability. And say, oh God, would you move? Let's pray again. Let's close our eyes. I'm just going to pray. We'll never, if you're a Christian 20 years, 30 years, we're never only more than vulnerable, are we? 
We're always vulnerable to life, storms, and yet the sign was, in this special radical moment, you'll recognize him. He's a baby. He's got to be wrapped in strips of cloth. He's got to be lying in a manger. This extraordinary God can mark the ordinary, incredibly extraordinary. This was a very ordinary yet extraordinary scene. And yet you would say, I'm vulnerable, I'm just, I'm just ordinary. There's nothing special. And God says, yep, that's a sign. Look at the extraordinary thing I can do with the ordinary. And this nativity scene is played year after year after year because we realize the speciality of this awe-inspiring, awesome God that came as a weak, little, vulnerable baby and says, here I am. And as he grew up, he was found in the father's house. He'd went missing for his parents. He was just a kid. I think he was about 12 years old. And you look at the cross, and he made himself extremely vulnerable. That was another sign. And for the vulnerability of being a baby in a manger to a savior on a cross. He was always vulnerable as he lived out his life on earth. And one day, as Isabel was sharing, we'll never be vulnerable. We'll be completely in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are a new body. Hallelujah. Looking forward to that. This week I heard like a sciatic pain in my back. But praise God, there'll be one day I'll waken up and I will not be vulnerable to pains, to aches, to attacks, to wearisome moments. That ah will be done away with. In this moment that I live on earth, will always be vulnerable and God, I pray for your people. We are our vulnerabilities, and we look as just as vulnerable the day. And that was a vulnerable thing that happened just now. Matthew got attacked. I didn't see if it happened, but I think we'll have to look at the, the video. Did Alson attack Matthew? We are a microphone. No, it just fell. Are you walking the saw up on it, I? In Jesus, as that has proved, we are vulnerable. But God, that you would do something majestic. We are vulnerable, church. You are the humanity that you have given us. You've given us feelings. You've given us a stomach to feel hungry with. You've given us an eyes to see things with. And it makes us vulnerable when we see some things on earth. But God, we pray, as the story goes, that in a moment of vulnerability, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God, saying glory to God in highest heaven, peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. I pray for the peace of God, the indwelling sense of the presence of Christ to be within us, within our vulnerabilities. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're meant to be here. 
He's a God that will move in radical places. He's a God that will move radically in people. He's a God that will choose radical things and point to radical signs as His promises being fulfilled in vulnerability and majesty. Let's stand, let's give Him other glory. As part of our worship together, we took up our offerings. Thank you, Jesus.